the Sound of Hockey episode 216.5. Uh, we are coming to you from a local watering hole, I'll just say. So uh, just as we were about to hit record, they turned Grabbing on some, some college sodas. Some loud music, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just, just before the uh, the Florida Panthers-Seattle we, we, Kraken We technically game. have like uh, listeners watching, too. That's right. right? We yeah. do. It's kind of a live show for one yeah, person. Yeah, it's a live show. Or yeah. maybe two. Maybe two. Maybe if, two. Depending on if that person comes back from the bar. We'll they see. are they are coming back. Yeah. Uh, anyway, and this he is, doesn't know that we're doing this. That's so. right. This is Sound of Hockey. I am Darren Brown at Darren Fun Brown on the Twitter. Joined as always by John Barr. Hello, John. Hello, everybody. I'm NHL2 Seattle on the Twitter. Do we still do intros? Yep. Okay. Uh, if I remember to do it. And uh, also we have a special guest returning by unpopular demand. Uh, Curtis Izaki, Mr. Deep Sea Hockey on the Twitter. How are you doing, Curtis? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. We're happy to have you here. Um, so our thought for, for this point five episode, you know what? Little David Bowie in the background. This isn't bad because this is a pretty quiet song. Yeah. Right. So hopefully we don't get sued for having music on our. Uh, yeah. I think there's some rule where if you go over like 30 seconds on a podcast, you could theoretically. But I don't think David Bowie. I mean, posthumously, I don't think he's going to sue us. It's. I don't know. Fingers crossed. We'll see. Yeah. Don't, we, nobody, we do have an attorney with they, us right yeah, now. They got estates for those types of things. <laughs> okay. Nobody, if, if we could just uh, have our listeners not tell the executor of his estate. Is right. that what it's called? An executor? Execu- yeah, sure. All right. Um, so our idea for this was to do uh, a little mailbag. Um, we're fresh off of Hack, uh, Good event put on by Allison Lucan. She did a great job. Uh, allegedly. 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 She did a great job. She did a good yeah. job. No, it was a good event. It really was. We learned a lot from it. Um, really cool panels. Good good presentations. Uh, wasn't a big fan of the one early in the day about adding context to shots. That's a ridiculous uh, presentation, that. right? Yeah. No, that was your, your presentation, no jargon, John. no data science. You, no, you yeah. did a great job. I was very impressed. I really made it clear it came in a little like hot me, so. that's all i'll say no it was great yeah. first you, on the ice good way to start the day that's right you did hit us with a, a shinny hockey joke which was what, what joke perhaps the talking biggest, about the biggest laugh of the of the day so <laughs> yeah I'd say it was yeah. yeah it was good as people understood what i was talking about and we didn't talk about shinny on the regular episode right. this week so we should maybe talk about shinny hockey down the road okay well yeah we'll save it maybe for the next Sounds good. Okay. Um, Anyway, all right, so let's get to our mailbag. Well, wait, one thing before we get to our mailbag, I just wanted to mention there was a few things I found really interesting today. I think the thing that I found most interesting, what was the, in the panel with uh, Ron Francis, what's this um, scouts, amateur scouts? Uh, Chris McDonald. Chris McDonald. He made a point about um, the, like, when they get to the point where they're getting drafted now because these kids are putting in so, so much, much time, so much time yep. at a young age that there's not that much for them to improve on by the time they get drafted in a lot of cases because they're like they're so good and they put so much effort into this now. I, I would I would say there's not he meant there's like a little margin to improve, right? Mm-hmm. Like they've usually well, you can look to somebody that's potential. To, comparing right? it yeah, to yeah, when exactly, he started, right? Exactly. So the the upside maybe isn't as dramatic as it as it once was. So I just thought that was a really interesting point. And it kind of aligned with, uh, so Micah, the mathematician guy, had a point about um, where players are peaking, right? And his whole thing was about, like, it's it's different depending on what uh, stat you're looking at. Like, if you're looking at offense, they tend to peak around, what, 23, 24. And if they're if you're looking at defense, it's 20, later. 25, 26. 20, yeah, yeah, exactly. But but I thought that was that was kind of interesting, right? That, like, the, the offensive peak comes much earlier than than I would have ever realized, and it kind of aligns with what uh, with what Chris was saying that um, 
you know, they're just good at a young age. It's just kind of how it is now. So, but that is aggregated averages. So, like, there yeah, you are. Said, you said aggregated, and you lost me. Well, so. there's ton of, ton of people that that create the <laughs> average, right? There's going to be people that exceed that or, or mature later yeah. or get better later. Anyway, that he also said that. Yeah. Too, yeah. So. yeah I, I, I was going to actually have the same takeaway. I, I thought those two points actually kind of dovetailed really nicely together. Like your high draft pick, like your Shane Wright uh, or, or your uh, Matty Beniers, you know, a lot of what you're looking for is particularly on the offensive side because Micah Blake McCurdy made, made the distinction offensive skill versus defensive skill. Sometimes defensive skill can come later. Uh, but uh, in terms of your offensive package, a lot of what you have is built in, like at the time of the scouting, at the time of the draft, and certainly soon thereafter. Um, and so we're starting to see that with Shane right now in the AHL, but uh, be nice to see it in the NHL too. Yeah, agreed. Okay, now let's get to our mailbag. All right, let's go. Let's okay, go. Okay, so Daniel watch, Kelly watch. says. Oh, wait, not one time. <laughs> our first mailbag question. I don't know. I don't have yeah. a sound effect there. Uh, how have your expectations of what a good season for the Kraken looks like on December 1st compared to uh, what your expectations would have been on October 1st? So what is a good season for the Kraken at this point? I mean, I think they're having it. Playoffs. Yeah. Like they- That's been the goal. They've said that was their goal was they wanted to make the playoffs. It's funny because uh, a while ago, I think the idea of the Kraken making the playoffs felt like a really lofty goal. Yeah, and now it doesn't feel like that anymore. And now I if think, they miss, it'll be a full-on failure. And, and I think we've talked about this, maybe I, I'm not on the podcast, but certainly in in writing, is I think I generally thought in October first, if we're going back to October first, 85 points would have been a very successful season. 80 would have been okay, like good, but playing meaningful games in March. I think that was like our our the big theme we wanted to do. They've far exceeded that, and anything less now would be somewhat of a disappointment because that would mean they'd have to play about 500 hockey the rest of the way. Yeah, before the season, Darren, you and I wrote a piece on Sound of Hockey where I, I thought 84 points was a reasonable projection. And that's about, you know, you account for the overtime loser point. You know, that's about, you know, a 500 type of season, 84 points. And, uh, you know, now if you t- if you just take 500 hockey from here on out, they're at 95 points. That's yeah. that's a playoff team. Yep. Uh, that's a playoff team. So and I hate to even bring this up, but Money Puck is suddenly projecting them with the highest chances. I won't say it. I won't even say it. Darren. I won't even say well, it. it. I think you expectations, don't want to expectations now are, for, for me, they're certainly way higher than they were before yeah. the season. That's... Yeah, that would answer the question, I think. Um, Chris Letson, Topher Gopher, says, how sustainable do you see this hot start to the season being? Obviously, teams will adjust to how the Kraken play, but can you see the team having the skills and talent to adjust as well and to keep the good vibes going? Good vibes. Let's great, keep the good vibes going. Great question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's sustainable, right? Like the last 10 Not games. This level. Yeah. Um, yeah. But. I think uh, it's reasonable to expect them to play better than, you know, maybe five. Well, certainly better than 500 hockey, but winning three out of five games, uh, you know, so. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think five on five, you know, they're, they're looking good. They're looking good five on five. It is, you know, maybe they're doing a little better than you might think. Their shooting percentage is through the roof right now. Um, you know, maybe yeah. they're getting a few bounces. That, that shooting percentage piece is what worries me a yeah, little bit. I, I mean, yeah. I'm going to go deep on that yeah, soon, mm-hmm. put it that way. Yeah. yeah. 
looking forward to that. But uh, maybe they're maybe they're getting a few more bounces than they're due at this point, and those types of things tend to level out. Uh, but uh, you know, even strength looked pretty good. Special teams concern me a little bit right now. The power play and penalty kill both look a little shaky to me. But nothing about it suggests they can't continue to be a good above average yeah. team. To me. Looking at it on a kind of a micro level, I think what's really encouraging is. I was discouraged after that LA game that they won 9-8, to eight. and to me, and I know I rang the alarm bells last episode uh, about when you get to the kind of the end of a winning streak, when you things have been going your way, and even when you shouldn't win, you're still winning, um, to me that breeds bad habits, and that's when big losing streaks can tend to follow that. And I think they kind of quieted those fears for me in the last game against Washington. So that to me is actually, I was discouraged, and now I feel really encouraged after that Washington game. So um, being able to flip that switch and say, no, we're going to go back to playing defensive structure, um, I mean, that is sustainable, right? Being really believing in your systems, which they seem to do, being totally bought in, I think that's sustainable. Uh, winning at the clip they're winning at, no, I don't think that's sustainable. But I do think, um, you know, above 500 now, I mean, they've, They've really taken advantage here. If they can play above 500. Bank, bank those points. Exactly. We talked about They're in a, a great lot. spot. Just bank them. So, yeah. Great spot. Uh, Wes W.G. Walton says, are the Kraken good? And then uh, Scott Stevenson responded to that and said, and if we're not, what do we need to do to get there? I think they're good. I mean, I, I think they lack an obvious top line, like an obvious superstar. But other than that, I think they're pretty good. And I always have the question, is a top top end top line re- required maybe i don't know i, I, I don't know I think either back, right i think back to like the dallas stars days when they had uh their their top line was uh jamie ben tyler sagan and uh alex radilov and uh, uh hitchcock ken hitchcock was their coach and he would just play those guys into the ground right and if you looked at their stats it was like they had um, those three had a million points, and then nobody else on the team had yeah. points. And they got it got so top heavy that it was like all you have to do is check this top line, right? Yeah. The Kraken have balance right now, and there's I mean they have Oliver Bjorkstrand on their third line, like he's a great player. Yeah. So I, there's balance. I, you know? I like the balance, but I don't, I don't necessarily know. You know, people say top end talent. It's easy to like point to Tampa and Colorado because of recency bias, but. We can't evaluate success of a, a franchise solely on winning a cup, right? Especially this team, right? And where they're at right now, I think is can they win by committee? I think they can. How they do in the playoffs is kind of a mystery to me. I'm trying to think of teams that have been like more committee based than high end talent based. I can't. I can't think of a lot. I mean, I think of St. Louis when they won the cup, I, and it's not. Again, we don't want to just evaluate cup teams because there's a lot of teams that are really good that don't win the cup so i think i think there's some some capabilities out there to win by committee and i think they 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 are showing it already yeah i had some of the same thoughts actually i mean are they a good team yes they're a good team our expectations are justifiably in the playoff range at this point uh but i do wonder you know when when playoffs are another level to hockey when times get really tough what do you hang your hat on in terms of scoring? I don't think you can hang your hat on the power play right now. It's no. not showing it. But um, it's better than last year. That's for sure. It's, it's <laughs> better. It's better. But I don't think you can rely on that to generate points necessarily right now. Maybe it can get there. But right now I'm not seeing it. And then on even strength, a lot of contributors. But, again, if you need one player to turn the tide in a tough game, I don't know who that is right now. So, uh, so I think it's still an open question 
on that level, but on the level, is this a good regular season team? I think the answer is definitely yes. Yeah. Uh, CJ Mapes, uh, longtime follower and supporter, says thoughts on the Kraken. Uh, what, or excuse me, thoughts on Kraken improvement through possible trades and outlook on roster through end of year. We've talked about that a, a few times. What we think they could go for. Um, John, you've mentioned depth scorer. Uh, there were some media types. I was having a conversation recently with folks, and they thought a high-end defender Defense. would actually be really helpful. I, I agree there. I think there's yeah. something to that. Um, you know, I, as far as what's out there, I don't know. I, I, I don't know enough about the landscape to know who's I, who's available. I just or think who's it's be premature. Available. The only if if you think this team can win the cup, then it's worth. We don't lever- say that. Lever- don't say that no, word. I know. But, no, we don't but, say that word, John. But I don't think they're there, right? You don't put, put your chips in. Yeah. However, like it's a good team. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it is a little early to start thinking about that stuff. But in my humble opinion, I don't go too big. I don't leverage the future. They're, they're, we've talked about this before. They've got a lot of draft picks in the next draft. So they could get some somebody depth, but they're not going to get a high end. They're I would not basically. I would not trade a first rounder at the trade deadline yeah. at all. Right? I agree. Yeah. Oh, the only my only caveat to that is it would be a late. I mean, based on their standings, it's a late first rounder, and they have so many draft picks. So maybe not trade a first rounder, but they still have a ton of draft picks. Yeah. And they selected I'm, a lot I'm of guys saying, last year. First rounder off limits. Okay. That's all I'm saying. That's fair. Yeah, fair. I, I mean, I generally agree with that. I, I'm perhaps I'm a never say never type of person in the perfect scenario, but I also agree with the premise that you know if, if we're looking for an upgrade, if there's someone controllable, a truly elite left shot defender, I, I could see that. Uh, Tina Enderline says, "How are the NHL award recipients selected for an award that's not tied to a specific playing position, such as the Calder Trophy? What criteria are used to select the recipient?" When the top contenders are, say, a center and a goalie. Yeah, well, Darren. Darren, how's yeah, that? Darren, how's that? Darren, how does, Darren, how does that work? on this one, Tina. Uh, I'm happy to report I recently became a card-carrying member of the Professional Hockey Writers Association, which hey. means that I actually get to vote on the awards now at the end of the year. Oh, so man. that's pretty cool. So much pressure. Um, I know. I'm like, <laughs> I feel kind of weird about it. The, the funny thing is, I, I've talked about this a lot. Is like, I spend so much of my energy focusing on the Kraken that I don't pay that much attention to what's happening you, around the you league. Might like, that's not want to admit that. Yeah, yeah. Earmuffs. Maybe earmuffs. I should say that earmuffs. out loud. It's fine. No, it's not like anybody's recording this but um <laughs> it doesn't live forever yeah no it's i mean i'm gonna end up seeing everybody right but i'm also like in such in such small segments so it is to answer your question tina it's just a, a simple ballot um that that writers and people from this association get to um get to vote on at the end of the year the thing that's funny about it and i think my point there is that there's such a regional bias for this so I think all the awards have to be taken with a little bit of a grain of, just a grain of salt because it's like, I, I mean, who, think about it this way, right? If it comes down to Matty Beneers continuing to play this way against Shane Pinto, and I've seen Shane Pinto want, play once in person when the Senators come to town, who am I going to vote for, right? Right. But you're going to re- do some research. So of like, course, yeah, but... Yeah. You know, I just that's anyway. That's how that works. But I mean, um, if part of the ballot. question was how do you compare like a, the contributions of a goalie and a center and something like a Calder right. a Calder vote? I, I think that's a hard question. It, yeah, it's, it's legitimately tough tough question to answer because no one no one affects a game more than a goalie. Uh, so uh, at the same at the same time, you know, you look at what a player like Matty Beneers is doing. Um, you know, he's uh, you know a, 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 as a center, he's 
touching the puck all over the ice. I, I mean, that that's a hard comparison to make. Yeah. Well, so we should should we ask Darren about how he feels about the age situation on the the Calder? Oh, I, I think well, we should. No, remember I, the Kiprasov. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kiprasov. Because because yeah, yeah. I was very much pro giving him the Calder because those are the rules. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you play by the rules. Yeah, Let's just establish that. The rules but there is the no bias involved in that. I gotcha. I've, no, fair enough. Uh, But good good question and very timely. Samuel Fleming says, what's a reasonable time to know if the Kraken are good at developing prospects? That's That's a long range. Long road. I'd say like five years. Yeah, that's exactly what I'd say. Probably a little less because you want to see how does Riker Evans. I mean, obviously, you know, it's hard to say, did did the Kraken have anything to do with Benier's development? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think they would have even taken him last year if he didn't want to return to right. to college. Right. So. I'd, I'd say you need to see how these prospects do after a couple years in the AHL, like two or three at least. Yeah. And then they're going to slowly start trickling in because like Fergus won't be in the AHL. I mean, he might not even be in next year, right? So anyway, it's it's uh, five years. I think it's a good range. Yeah, I, I think it, yeah, it's at least a couple of years. I think Matty Beneers has given interviews where he said there wasn't, you know, there wasn't a ton of contact when he was at Michigan. So yeah, it's too early to know right now. Well, yeah, and that's not a, that's just, they try to keep their hands off. That's that's intentional. Exactly. I've heard very, that a lot of very times. Very typical. So. Um, Jeff at I hope I'm saying this right. Jome J O M E two five three says up to this point of the season, who's been the best offensive player on the team and best defensive player? hoping that you can look beyond just point totals. That's a tough one. It's a tough one from the offense side. Because right? they've gotten, like, I, I mean, we talked about how balanced they are, right? I I mean, I might go with Beneers. I think that, well, no, that's too easy. Burakovsky. I think Burakovsky has brought an element that they just didn't have last year. Um, and that's not just the fact that he is leading them in scoring, but, like, that damn the way puck that... puck handling. Oh, it's, it's, it's insane. He can, yeah. he can carry the puck through the neutral zone, and he'll be one on five, and he'll somehow still have a clean zone entry. So um, I'll go Burakovsky. Yeah, I think Burakovsky's a good choice. I think Burakovsky and Beneers are kind did of the I just, offensive choices. Did I just give too good of an explanation or, like, support for my argument, and, and you, it just swayed you? Is that and you happens? just blew my mind. Okay. Yeah, uh, absolutely. That's fair. Um, hey, speaking of Micah, he just walked in. How about that? Uh, uh, our next question comes from John Abrams. He Wait, says, did we answer the defensive side? Oh, defensive. No, great point. Uh, Adam Larson. I was going to say Larson, too. Not even close. Yeah, I, I think I've I've been something of a critic of Vince Dunn in the past as well, uh, just in terms of I, I'd expected him to take that next step last we're, year. We're not going to handle any smear campaign against no, Vince Dunn. No, I, no, just last year I had high expectations for him. Okay. I thought he was ready to go to that next Fair level. Enough. I personally didn't quite see it last year, but this year I think Vince Dunn and Adam Larson have been They've tremendous. Been awesome. They're really, really good together. Um, they, you know, And they're a really good match in the f- sense that like Vince Dunn is the puck mover, Larson's the stay-at-home guy, so he, they kind of cover up for each other and like there's a reason that they're out against the best players yeah. at all times. Absolutely. So. And just before we move on, I will give one plot to Matty Beniers on defense here. His his back checking is just, it shows up every single game. It's right. just, it, it's, you know, either you can't coach that or you have the right coaches. Yeah. Either way, he's doing it right. Uh, John Abrams says, are you guys planning on going to any more road games this year, specifically Nashville at the end of March? Confirmed for me. You're going? Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's awesome. Uh, I do not have any specific plans. And actually, on that topic, Julius Karsty asked, do any of you have any plans to watch the Firebirds in Coachella Valley this season? Tougher sell for me to get down there. <laughs> so just because I'm going to be watching so many games up here. Yeah. But I 
I want to get down there eventually. Yeah, That's same. For sure. I, I want to go to more road games. It's just can I can I swing it? We'll see. Yeah. Um, same with Coachella Valley. Uh, Andrew Ferris uh, says, is Hackstall doing anything differently this year schematically that's contributing to this turnaround? This Ooh, is really a yeah, question, great question. Uh, something that I'm really looking forward to diving into further. One, one thing that just jumps to mind immediately, uh, I know on the penalty kill, uh, there's certainly a different neutral zone transition defense they're deploying. They're using a, instead of a 1-1-2 one, one, formation yeah, that one, that's a little three, more right? aggressive, mm -hmm. it's 1-3 defending the blue line, trying to break up zone entries. And I think that has been pretty effective uh, in breaking up zone entries. Their in-zone defense on the penalty kill looks the same to me, still a triangle and one, uh, but I haven't seen, it hasn't really been I haven't liked what I've seen from it, frankly. Um, you know, losing Morgan Geeky uh, has maybe been an issue for the last couple of games. He's been a stalwart there. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know why I got fixated on the penalty kill. <laughs> I'll go into it. Darren doesn't want a manifesto on the podcast. Right. That's well, more for the website. That's right. But, uh, but there have been some things that are a little different. I really think it's... You know, if you're looking at offense, it's really the players. The yeah. players have... It's personnel. The, 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 the personnel has just been able to, you know, navigate the neutral zone, get set up in the offensive zone better than just night and day different than last year. I think there's a level of buy-in, too. I think we, we're hearing things from the players these days. Like, Yanni Gord talked about it post-game the other night where he said something along the lines of just really trusting your systems, right? And, like... I don't know if we heard much of that kind of stuff last year. Like I just but, think, but we talked about last year, and, and you know, feel free to disagree with me. But I thought the players never quit 100%. last year, and so like there's something about Hackstall's still getting everybody motivated. So when you say about difference, I don't think there's a difference in that category. He's got people bought in in general to to sell out for the team. Now systematically, it's a different story, but hopefully we'll see some future work on that. Uh, Loud and clear. Yeah. MLB Youngboy says, are there any defensive pairings you'd like to see that differs from the current lines? No. I love I love the way they have it set up yeah. right now. Love it. I, I wouldn't change a thing there. I mean, they're all working really well. The, to me, the consistency that they've had compared to last year where everything was getting shuffled so consi so frequently. The consistency was the inconsistency last year. Yeah. Um, just it's I think that's been a huge factor in why they're su successful this year. So, Man, I, no, I wouldn't change a thing on the defense, just, uh, on the blue line. I just want to do a shout-out for uh, Will Borgen. Still love his yeah. game, right? Love I, I was going to say the same thing. If anything, it's just can we get Will Borgen on the ice a little more? But yeah. I don't know that I'd change anything Yeah, I'm, I'm cool with how it's going, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Logan Studley says, should we even be a buyer before the trade deadline? I don't want the team to pull a Vegas and sacrifice the future in the hope of winning. Totally. Oh, I think that's just saying, should we be a buyer no. at the deadline? No. I, he, I don't think it's he's like objecting to it. He or she is objecting to it. Yeah. Saying there shouldn't, yeah. there should not be a mortgaging in the future. Well, love it. Love fact, it. I mean, agreed. But also, I think back to that point, like they have a lot of spare draft picks. Yeah. Right? I'm just, so it's not a real mortgage of the future. But when you say buyer, just like. Again, putting all your chips in. Yeah. For, no first rounders. First but you rounders. could do some marginal upgrades. Those could happen. I know, but doesn't that stink to think about? So, as a fan perspective, I can't imagine losing any of the players right now. Yeah. It bums me out to think about. Yeah. Or having so draft picks only. waivers or whatever. Right. But, yeah. but that's no. it. Kind of goes back to what we said before about like I think they backfill for injuries. Whatever's whatever's right. happening right, at right. that time. So yeah, that's that's you know. what occurred to me as well. I mean, I, I mean, I'm knocking on wood. Right now, everyone. 
but I mean, this team has been remarkably healthy. So you, you never know what the team's going to look like oh, at the. There we go. There we go. So I mean, if you can do, if you can do a deal, you invited this moving, guy on the pod. Yeah, unbelievable. You're not moving a significant okay. right. part. It, it might make sense, but okay. I, I'm uh, I'm with John. Don't okay. don't move the first rounder. That's all we have from Twitter. Uh, I had a, a verbal mailbag question from Steve Don't Go Glove today, who was wondering about uh, how. What's interesting is you you gave us his Twitter handle. Yeah, but, but it's it was like, like in real life, in person. And he, can there be a verbal mailbag? He said, "Hey, next time you guys do a mailbag mm. thing." Okay. So yeah, um, he was Understood. asking about it was almost like a history question uh, about how teams, how things went before the salary cap era. Were there teams that like were able to um, basically just like buy players? I now it was a little before my. It's almost my pre. Time. It's pre me really being, being a real fan. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, not a real fan. Just the fan that I am right yeah, now. Yeah, I yeah, gotcha. yeah. I think um, the team that jumps to my mind was the Detroit Red Wings, though. I feel like um, back in the day they – and I don't know if it was it was so much that they, like, threw more money at players necessarily. There was probably some of that. But it felt like everybody wanted to play there because they were so successful. So, like, they had Chris Chelios. They had Dominic Hasek. They had Rhett Hall. Like, all those, like, really legendary players ended up playing in Detroit at some point. So, um, so I think there's a level of that. It just – it, there wasn't as much parity, right? That was the big difference. Um, now it seems like anybody can win. You just get into the, the, the playoffs and you have a chance. But we are we are a couple of years away from a different salary cap era. Again, yeah. knock on wood, it, it's trending towards caps going up at a high rate. You know, that kind of opens the door for potentially teams to, you know, mortgage against their future a little more, load up. Um, you could see a little more of that. Yeah, it'll be interesting be to see what happens. Real quick. I think within a couple of years, it'll, it'll be eaten up really quick. That's what I think. But, uh, I believe you had one from Mr. Kraken, Krakenbra as well. Well, he's not Krakenbra anymore. Oh, he's Michael. Okay. Uh, how much <laughs> How much higher are you guys' expectations now? Well, we talked about yeah. that one compared yeah. to before the season. I'm torn between getting excited for playoff hockey and preparing myself for a huge letdown. Get down. excited. Oh, no. F it. At this uh, point, let's get go. Excited. Let's yeah. fuck. Let's, let's F and go. That, that's right. Yeah, you know what? Listen, go in with just low expectations, and no matter what happens, you're going to have a great time. And if and when they lose, which they most likely will, because 31 out of 32 teams do not win the Stanley Cup every year, so it's highly likely they will not win the Stanley Cup. But just prepare to, if they get into the playoffs, you will be devastated. Yeah, yeah. That's I, just how it I, is. I'm convinced I'm going to have a heart attack in the playoffs. It's, I just I, hope I survive it. Like in my most diehard Got a doctor on call for John yeah, Barr. Yeah, my most diehard days of s- supporting another team when I like truly believed, right? And they lost and got knocked out of the you couldn't talk to me for a week. Like it was so be ready for that kind of a feeling. It is it is rough if and when they lose. I will say that. It is rough. Even if you go in with low expectations, it's rough. Yeah, uh, yeah. no, I mean, if, if there are fans out there who are new to the Seattle Kraken who have not experienced firsthand Dude. NHL playoff hockey before, Playo- it's un- are brutal. unlike anything else in sports. Even if you've been a fan of another, you know, professional sports team, the NHL playoffs are unlike anything else. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully we get it this year. Yeah, let's just hope they keep playing at least average hockey so that we can experience that this year. Yeah, be awesome. just average hockey. That's right. Yeah, okay. That's all, all right. they need, yeah. just average hockey yeah. at this point. So, 
Um, awesome. Mc, McVeigh kind of added some commentary, yeah. but I don't think that's much of a question. Uh, yeah, it's not really a question. It says, uh, we could miss the playoffs. My expectations have already been blown out of the water. So even yeah, if they same. lose, right? Same. Uh, yeah. Or don't make it. Uh, he says, I'm just happy that the team seems like they're having fun. Yeah, good and vibes. And we are winning more games than we did last year, and we picked up some players that really seem to fit in. Going to winning games is obviously a blast and a big bonus. Yeah, 100%. Yes. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, he's just glad that everybody's having a good time. That's it. <laughs> I'm just so happy to be about, here. It's all about the friends we've yeah. made along the yeah. way. Yes. I, I mean, just to kind of loop back to Seahawk today, I mean, we've heard this from Ron Francis in the past, but it's clearly it came across when he spoke today. I mean, character is a big thing they value in yeah. this organization, yeah. and it is a group of likable players. Uh, and so, uh, you know, uh, I kind of see where McVay's coming from. They're winning, and they're a likable group. What's yep. not to, What's not to be? You know, it, it's all gravy. Yep. And that's a real quick on that. I'm gonna do a, a cheap plug. I'm sure it'll be posted on YouTube because they were streaming it all day. But Seahawk was probably probably gonna be on YouTube. Their their Seattle Kraken channel. Check out the panel with Ron Francis and company. It, I mean, it's it's, it's not end. about. Ron Francis is about everybody else. Yeah. And that organization seems like a fun organization. That's hockey ops. Yeah. And uh, anyway, it was it was that was my they got together four uh, and representatives of the, the organization. Pod. Unbelievable. Yeah, four representatives of the organization who have very different jobs, brought very interesting perspectives. But how connected. It all connected. Yeah. Yeah, how it all fits yeah. together was just so so great to see. Yeah. Skip over the nine thirty slot though. <laughs> you get that, some was John's, that was John's. You get some content. Okay. All right. Well, that was fun. Thanks, everybody, for participating in the mailbag. I uh, really appreciate all the questions. Uh, and that's episode 216.5. So <laughs> we're off to watch the Kraken. Um, by the time you hear this, we'll know the outcome of the Panthers and Kraken game. We're playing it with house matter. money right now. It does yeah. not matter. That's right. Um, I mean, it kind of matters, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah. House it does, money. but it doesn't. All right. We'll be back very soon for, uh, for episode 217. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Cheers. Cheers.